0: May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from his Son, his only Son, our Savior, Jesus the Christ. Some of you know this and some of you don't. I have three brothers, one older and two younger. Two sets of bunk beds meant that all four of us shared a bedroom in the parsonage in Nebraska in the 1960s. But when we moved to Michigan in '68. Dan and I shared a bedroom, and Tim and John had their own room. We were partners in crime and mischief, but we had some issues in our growing up years. There were even some fights, and only a few were physical. But now we get along just fine. Uh, Our brocation back in 2007 was positive and significant, and so was our Route 66 adventure back in 2021. I don't know if or how many brothers you have. I don't know the dynamics of those relationships. But Joseph and his brothers will be our teachers this morning. May the Holy Spirit give us expectant hearts and attentive ears and minds that we will hear God's word of law and gospel as we ponder this question. Is Joseph in the place of God? People God dearly loves. We'll start with this. There are four main Josephs in the Bible and a handful of minor ones with that same name. I'll remind you of the four, starting with the last one. That's Joseph called Barsabbas. He shows up in the first chapter of Acts. He's one of the two candidates before the apostles to take the place of Judas. Then there's Joseph of Arimathea, who donates his unused grave and buries the body of Jesus there with with the help of Nicodemus. The second most prominent Joseph is a carpenter from Nazareth, betrothed and then married to Mary, who was the guardian of Jesus in our Lord's growing up years. But the one who gets the most ink in the pages of scripture is the first child born to Rachel but he's the 11th son of her husband, Jacob. We meet him in Genesis 30, but he's really at the center of chapters, the last 13 of the last 14 chapters of Genesis, all the way to chapter 50, from which today's Old Testament reading is taken. You may know this Joseph story with all its drama and conflict, all its twists and its turns. I'm still going to walk through portions of it this morning quickly as possible. Here's the first clue that things might not go well between Joseph and his 10 older brothers. In chapter 37 of Genesis, we read, and Joseph, then 17 years old, brought a bad report of them back to their father. The second clue follows in the next verse. Jacob, Israel, loved Joseph more than any other of his sons. And thirdly, many of you know this clue, this important detail. Jacob made Joseph a coat of many colors, which is followed by this revealing statement. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all the rest of the brothers, they hated Joseph and could not speak peacefully to him. After the robe came the dreams And Joseph really didn't play this one well. He could have or should have kept the stories to himself. First, Joseph dreams that out in a field, one sheaf of grain stands tall, and all the other sheaves encircle and bow down to that one. Dream number two is about the sun and the moon and 11 stars, and all these great celestial bodies bow down to him. Even dad Jacob rebukes Joseph for telling about this dream. What is this? Shall your stepmother Leah, Rachel, the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, has already died, shall your mother and I and your eleven brothers bow down to you? Who do you think you are? But the drama goes from bad to worse. The older brothers take the flocks up north near Shechem, to find better grazing. This might be 75 miles from home. But when Jacob sends Joseph up there to check on his brothers and on the animals, Joe learns that they've relocated to Dothan, another 10, maybe 15 miles. So Joseph trudges off in that direction. And the brothers see him before he sees them. A robe of many colors is hard to hide. They conspire. They plot. We'll teach that favorite son a lesson. We'll get our revenge on this dreamer. Let's kill him. We'll throw his body in one of the empty cisterns. Then we'll tell the old man that a wild animal attacked Joseph so much for his fantastic dreams. But Reuben, who is the oldest, calms them down and suggests a different strategy. Let's not kill Joseph. Let's just grab him and throw him in the pit, and that should teach him a lesson. What Reuben doesn't tell them is that he plans to sneak back later to rescue his brother and to take him home. So the other nine brothers agree. They greet Joseph, then strip off his colorful garb, throw him in the dry cistern, And sit down to have lunch now the Bible actually tells us that which I think is a minor but a cruel aspect of this story they sat down to have lunch while they're eating a caravan of traders comes over the hill they're from the east side of the Jordan River they're heading down to Egypt with their merchandise and very likely with some slaves now it's Judah who comes up with a new plan hey guys Joseph is our own flesh and blood, so let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery instead. He'll be gone, and we'll never see him again. The others agree. They pull Joseph out of the pit. Maybe he smiles at first, but then he realizes what's happening. Twenty shekels of silver are exchanged. Joseph's hands are tied, and he's off to Egypt. Joseph is gone, but the plotting isn't over. Now the brothers kill a goat and take Joseph's fancy garment and dip it in the blood, and they send it home with a message. They don't even go themselves. They send a message back to Dad. Did you send Joseph out looking for us? Look what we found. Isn't this Joseph's special robe? Jacob is overcome with grief and cannot be comforted by any of his sons and daughters. Joseph is dead. No, Joseph is still alive. The Midianites sell him to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, but then follow an attempted seduction by Mrs. Potiphar, innocent Joseph fleeing her bedroom, an accusation of rape and imprisonment. While in prison, the dreamer, Interprets dreams, first for some fellow prisoners, finally for Pharaoh himself. And then this happens, Joseph, when this happens, Joseph is in the place of God. For God gives Joseph the understanding of the king's strange dreams about about ugly cows eating nice looking cows and about thin ears of corn eating fat ones. Now we fast forward into the drought that those dreams promised. The sons of Jacob head south to Egypt to buy grain for their food and their flocks. When they appear before the prime minister, Joseph immediately recognizes them, but they don't know him. His clothes, his jewelry, his accent, his lack of a beard, his use of a translator, or his disguise. He doesn't reveal himself, but he accuses them of spying. After a while, agreeing to keep Simeon as hostage, he allows them to buy grain. But Joseph has the money put back in the sacks, which they take back with them. Eventually, all this gets sorted out. Until at the beginning of chapter 45, Joseph weeps, then makes himself known to all 11 of his brothers, saying, I am Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Do not be distressed or angry because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life, to preserve a remnant on earth. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. Is Joseph in the place of God? Yes, he is God's servant for good. All of this takes us to today's reading from Genesis 50. Jacob and the entire clan have moved to Egypt and are grazing flocks and herds. But Jacob dies, and the brothers are concerned. They are very concerned. Maybe Joseph has been biding his time. Now there will be payback. Now he'll get even. So the ten older brothers, true to form, plot their approach. They send a message that they say Joseph wanted to be delivered to Joseph. Jacob wanted to deliver to Joseph. Please forgive your brothers for the evil they did to you. Joseph weeps again, telling his brothers, Do not fear. Am I in the place of God? Yes, he is. Joseph was in the place of God to interpret dreams. He was in the place of God to feed pagans and Jews. He was in the place of God to reunite his family. He was in the place of God to speak forgiveness and to rejoice at reconciliation. Last Sunday, we heard Jesus say, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Why? So that confession can happen And forgiveness can be spoken. Because you can and you will and you do forgive your brother or your sister with the forgiveness won by Christ Jesus on his cross. For Christ stands in your place. He took all your sin and all your guilt and all your unholiness on his innocent shoulders at Golgotha. And by that suffering and death, that cruel execution post and rough beam are made the holy cross. Our immense, unpayable debt is canceled. Our sins are forgiven not once, not twice, not three times, no Peter, not seven times, not even 70 times seven, every time because, as we heard in today's psalm, our sins are as far away as east is from the west. Now, after the strange surprises in Joseph's story and the strong and certain surprise of the cross, comes one more surprise, a wonderful surprise, a biblical surprise, and a Lutheran surprise. Your pastor stands in the place of God, given the high honor and the holy responsibility to speak and to act with the authority of Jesus, delivering his mercy and his grace to you, his full and free forgiveness in holy absolution at that baptismal font from this pulpit and from this altar in the place of God.